May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the year 7 BC, the planets Jupiter and Saturn lined up in such a way that in the night sky they appeared as one bright star. And for those people who were looking up at the stars in that time, they saw a magnificent event that took place on a very rare, every 20 years they get close, but, but they don't often get this close to be seen. And so it was a, a miraculous um, sighting. And as I said, it happened in about the year 6 or 7 B.C. Um, it happened again, December the 21st of 2020. Did you see it? Of course you didn't see it, because you live in northeast Ohio, right? The sun goes away in November, and it comes back in May. And in between there, anything above, you know, the top of the houses, you can't see. But maybe some friends of yours saw it. Um, some friends of mine saw it, took some photos, and sent them, you know, out through Facebook and, and email and whatnot to us. And it's magnificent, wasn't it? It's like, it looked like the ones that I saw, it looked like a cross. I mean, there's just, just bright, shining light in the sky. Um, back in the summer, uh, Abby and I went down to see um, some of our dearest friends, Mark and Sherry. We've known them over 30 years, and um, our children grew up together, and they live near Lancaster, a little town called Bremen. So it's sort of out. I mean, it's outside of Lancaster, so it's out. Um, and, and you go out in the sort of little little village, and... Um, and Mark has this telescope, and, and so we were out late at night, as we like to do, you know, talking and chatting and catching up on the, the last year, and, and he says, I want to get the telescope, and runs up and get it, and, you know, and it's late, midnight or whatever, and, and there we are, we're looking up into the sky, and he found Saturn, which is fantastic. I don't think that I had, you know, other than when I was a child in the planetarium with the school field trip, you know, I, I don't remember seeing it in a in a, a, a telescope before, and it was just, it was gorgeous, this little silver ball with this ring around it, uh, and I was so excited, I was like a, a kid in a candy store, I'm like, wow, it really has a ring, and he was like, you know, surprised at that, Joe, haven't you ever heard, you know, um, yeah, but, it, but I saw it, and I was so thrilled, so excited. Um, it's scheduled to appear again, like it did this past year, in the year 2080, and I'm really looking forward to that, you know. I'll be a mere 111 at that time. And so I just can't wait for that one. I think this is the star that the Magi saw in Matthew's gospel. We don't know for sure. Maybe it was another one. And you're maybe wondering, 6, 7 BC, I thought Jesus was, no. Um, Timetables are off. People making calendars were wrong. Most certainly Jesus was probably born in around 6 or 7 BC. And so this could have been his star. And this is what the ancients did. And the ancients, they looked for signs in the heavens. In fact, um, the whole practice of astrology, that, that a person's destiny is determined by the stars under which she or he was born, was a very ancient practice. This is where the people believe this. You know, these stars were aligned like this, and therefore your life will be like this or that. My grandmother was a lover of astrology. I don't know why. It's a terrible practice. But, um, but she would always, you know, remind us of our sign. And I have no idea what I was supposed to do with that after that. Among the Jews, astrology was forbidden. They were not to look to the stars for signs. 
And it's not that God can't speak through the signs of the stars and the, 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 the systems of the, of the universe. Of course he can. But he had other ways of speaking to the Jews. They had prophets, men and women, who would bring the word of God to the people of Israel. Thus says the Lord, they would say. This is a message from God. Pay attention to this. And other faithful persons would, would record these. They would write them down as Holy Scripture. And so how was it that the Jews were to, to hear a word from the Lord, not by looking up at the heavens or divining, um, as some ancients would, the liver, the cut open liver of an animal. They were to rather uh, listen to the word of the Lord as it came from the prophets and came from the scriptures. But there are some men in Persia who saw a sign in the heavens. And they thought it had something to do with the Jews. In fact, they thought it had something to do with a coming king, a, a predicted king who would, who would rule the people of Israel. And so they started off for Israel, for the land of Israel, and, and headed there to see the meaning of this star, to find the one who was born under this sign. And as they did, they went to the most obvious place. If you were going to look for a king, where would you go? You would go to the seat of power and authority, to the capital city, right? To Jerusalem. And that's where they go. They go to Jerusalem because this is the most obvious place. And the king who was there, Herod, was um, a puppet king for, for Rome. He was a brutal person. He was paranoid to the nth degree. He had family members murdered because he was afraid that they were out to get his power. He was, he was a power-hungry, um, paranoid, uh, crazy, uh, brutal ruler. And so when these magi from the east show up and he, they say, we're looking for this newborn king, he's concerned. He's upset about it. What do you mean, newborn king? No newborn king in my house. No, what are you talking about? And he's worried. It's obvious to the Magi, it's obvious to Herod that Jerusalem is the place, but they call in the scribes, they call in the scholars. What, where is the is this Messiah to be born? And they know. They've read Micah the prophet. They've heard the word of the Lord from the prophet and from the scriptures. Bethlehem. Little Bethlehem. A village not far from Jerusalem. But far enough that you need to, to travel to get there. And, and so Herod sends them off. And, and this is where our text picks up in, in verse 9. Um, After listening to the king, the Magi went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and came to rest over the place where the child was. Back on the road, the star again appears. And they head that way looking for the sign. And when they find him, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's redundant, isn't it? They rejoiced with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were overjoyed. They were overwhelmed. They were celebrating. They were thrilled. We have found it. We have located the place. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Important for Matthew to add Mary into this text. They don't just see the child. They see his mother as well. 
They know that this child and this mother are both special. And, and they w- fall down, not to worship the mother, but to worship the child. And they present gifts to him. Uh, verse, uh, verse 11. Um, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Back in Isaiah, um, the 60th chapter, Isaiah predicts a time when, um, when the nations will, when the, the, uh, whether the fortunes of Israel will be turned, no longer will they be under the threat of the nations, but the nations will then turn to them. Arise, he says, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. Now, this is the people who are in, in captivity. There's coming a time when you're, you're, things are going to be better. Life is going to be grand. It's going to be good. The, and the nations will come to your light. And the kings to the brightness of your glory. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They are gathered together to come to you. He goes on to say um, in, in uh, the end of the next, so Your son shall come from afar and daughter shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. And they'll bring you what? Gold and frankincense. Matthew wants us to know that this story that he's telling us of these magi from the east who come to Israel, who show up in Jerusalem and then later go to Bethlehem and find this child, they are doing exactly what Scripture had told us they would do. The other nations, the the wealth of the nations would come to Israel, just as Isaiah had said. He is the one, this child, this Jesus is the one. And he's more than just the hope for Israel. He's the hope for the whole world. He's not just the king of Israel, but he's the hope of the whole world. And the nations will flow into Israel and the good news will flow out of Israel. All through Isaiah, the the word of the Lord will go out from Zion. Go out from Zion. That the nations are going to pour in and and the word of the Lord is going to go out. And Matthew wants us to see this is happening. This is happening with the birth of this This child, Jesus. He ends his gospel. This is the beginning. He ends his gospel how? With Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always. Right? Baptize them. Make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew's gospel is telling us Everything that the prophets have said, all that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel have said has come true in Jesus. He is the hope of the world. So you might be saying, okay, I was already there before I got here this morning. I I already believe that, you know, I, I came here because I was already on board with all of that. Thank you very much, Joe. I feel affirmed. Um, but it's more than that to us, isn't it? This whole event, this whole Messiah event, the whole event of the Magi, the whole, uh, the whole thing of, of saving Israel from its exile and its, its despair is all part of this grand plan that God has for rescuing humanity. 
This is what God is doing. He's saving the world. That God is in mission. The mission of God to rescue the world. And Matthew's gospel says, for those who follow Jesus, come, you get to be part of this mission of God in the world. The nations are coming to see what God has done. We are going forth to tell what God has done. They want to see what is it that the Lord is doing. We are called to go tell what it is that the Lord has done to the very ends of the earth, but also right next door, right around the corner at the market, in the places where we, we go about our lives. And so if we're going to be involved in this mission, I think that there are, there are three quick parts to, to doing mission in the world, to participating in God's mission in the world. And the first one is preparation. That we need to prepare if we're going to do mission in the world. How do you prepare for mission? Well, the first thing we ought to do is pray, right? That we would pray that, that God would, would equip us for mission, that he would fortify us for mission, that he would help us to, to be clever in our, in our communication of, of this good news to the world so that people can hear it, that we are prepared to do mission. The second thing I think we need to do is to be intentional. Having prepared ourselves to do mission, we ought to be intentional about the way that we go about doing it. This answers the basic questions. To whom do we go? Where do we go? How do we go about doing this? Very simple, matter-of-fact questions that we ought to answer about doing mission in the world. Who, where, how? And it requires action. Mission is about preparation. It's about intention. But it's about action. It's not about talking about mission. It's not about others going out and doing mission for us. It's about all of us being part of God's mission in the world. Going forth. Not just talk, but doing it. And you say, but I'm not even allowed to leave my house. I feel like I might be in trouble from coming here this morning. You know, This is a difficult time to do mission in the world. And there's no question about it. Probably never as much difficulty doing mission as we have right now. Only we do have opportunities, don't we? We still do things like go to the grocery and maybe get our hair cut, or maybe uh, you know take the car in to get repaired. And we got a cut behind our mouth, and we can't really smile except with our eyes. But we can do that, can't we? We can talk from behind a mask. You know that people can still receive kindness from behind a mask. They can still receive encouragement from behind the mask, right? They can still receive a, a, a word of, a, of uplifting um, you know, encouragement and, and happiness and joy. They can still uh, catch an infectious, happy spirit, which would be something good to catch in these days. They can all come. They can still say, you know, what was it about that masked man or that masked woman that made them so different from everybody else? We can still be engaged in mission even in these difficult times. We can be engaged in mission on our computers. Instead of getting invited, you know, involved in this um, raucous debates 
and saying cruel things to people we don't know. We can say encouraging things to people we don't know. We can change the conversation. Um, There's a series I used to like to watch on television, but this one man said, um, you know, if you don't like the conversation, you know what you do? You change the conversation. You don't like where the conversation's going? Change the conversation. And what if we change the conversation in the world? What if we change the tone in our world by the kind things that we say? Changing it all together. You see, the Magi paid attention. They looked up in the heavens and they said, God is doing something in the world. Something is happening. And the priests and the scribes, they looked in the scriptures and they said, God is doing something in the world. And he's told us where he's going to do it and how he's going to do it. What about us? What are we paying attention to? What are we intent on doing? Matthew wrote a book to tell us God sent the Messiah into the world in order to rescue it. He wants you and me to get involved in helping, to be part of this rescue plan for the world. Are we going to do it? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.